Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. We have the amazing honor to be here today with... Yaffa Palti. Yaffa Palti. She is an influencer online and making a really big difference in the world, shining her light with her teachings. So we brought her today to talk about the importance of modesty and hopefully to undo some of the improper ideologies that were bestowed upon us growing up. So Yaffa, why don't you introduce yourself for us? Okay. Um... My name is Yaffa. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I have moved since to Israel. I lived in Mexico. I lived in San Diego. And now I live in Miami. So I have quite a journey um, where I have been moving to try to make the greatest impact that I'm able to on the Jewish people, on Jewish women. And that's what, that's that's really what, that's my passion. That's pretty much what I spend my life doing. Seeing how I can, you know, use all the talents that Hashem has given me and help to bring more light into the world and help women connect with their true essence and connect with Hashem. What's your uh, religious journey yourself? Were you always from or Baal Shuvah? Well, no. Uh, I was, I was, I woke up this way. Um, but I had my own journey throughout high school. I had, you know, my own self-discovery. I sure, to, sure. You want me to share it? Yeah, of course. All right, well, let's put it this way. The key way. is being relatable, that's it. Okay, let's put it this way. <laughs> I went to four different high schools Yeah. because none of the schools that I was in invited me back the next year, okay? I was a little out of the box, a little adventurous, a little, you know, and not all the Which schools... Which is completely okay, by the way. Yeah. A lot of girls feel that way. Yeah. They have to be in the box system. Exactly. But some people are just more outgoing. And some people are just, they don't fit into the system. And this is not, you know, this is not about school bashing or system bashing or establishment bashing, none of that. This is about, you know, uh, you know, my own journey of trying to... Uh, find your place my place and trying to recognize that I could still find a place even if it means that it's out of place of what's of what's predictable or what's expected or you know I had to find my own my own balance my, my own balance in my in my Yiddishkeit also in my Judaism what was the reason that the four schools rejected you well you know I wasn't necessarily following the rules I, I think the most positive way I could say this is I be was, completely open right was, uh, many you know, girls go through the same thing right I was very adventurous I was very energetic I was very you know, which led, you know, to being a little bit rebellious also, because once I found that I wasn't being um, believed in and protected by the people of authority in the schools that I was in that should have protected me and should have believed in me, then it caused me, you know, to further rebel against that system. You, know? you just wanted to be yourself. So, yeah, I just, I, I, I had a hard time finding my place in the structure I was in. You know, so I, yeah, I really just couldn't be myself. And the truth is, I wasn't sure if I knew who myself was back then. I just knew that who I was wasn't fitting in with where I was. Right. You know, so it took me a while to really find myself. But I certainly, you know, I wasn't following the school rules. And I was, you know, doing all the things that you're not necessarily supposed to do. Uh, but it took me a while. You know, it was a, it was a journey. Um, and the truth is, you know, that what helped me back to the journey was the support that I did have. And the people who did believe in me. That actually helped me strengthen myself enough that I was able to find a healthy balance in my life. What was the what what kept you strong throughout those times? Like it, it probably f- turned you off, no? Yeah, I mean, there's no question that I that I struggled a lot with. You know, I never didn't believe in Hashem. Um, you know, it's not, I was never angry or bitter towards just, God. Towards God, I wasn't ever. But I, I just didn't really understand how I fit into this, the world that he created. How I fit into the structure that he established for us. Was that because of how it was represented to you? 
I believe, yeah, I believe it was because um, the way I felt about the system was that it was catered to a very specific type of person. And if you didn't fit into the box that it was catered to, you know, it was a little bit more of a struggle to figure out how to fit into it. You're discovering now that it's not true. Well, I'm discovering now that I think things got a lot better than they were. What do you mean? I think that there is a lot more openness in general in the society um, and from culture and from society. There is a lot more, has been a lot more growth. You know, I, and I say this really, I know that mistakes have been made when I was growing up. As I mentioned, there were people, you know, principals and teachers. Like who, everybody. Like everyone, for sure. Who, you know, should have loved me for who I was. Who should 100%. have protected me. 100%. But I don't blame them. I don't think any of them were malicious people or bad people. I think they meant well, and I think they just didn't know how to understand the younger generation. I think they were still just living in the past. It's incredible how you're able to say that. It's very, it's, 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 it's a lot of, you know, it's very Thank impressive. You. Thank you. I, I really truly believe that because I don't think any of them were, were, had any bad intentions. No, I don't think they were. I think they just, they didn't understand how to handle me. I was out of the box. They just didn't, they didn't know, you know. You knew that back then or you're coming to it now after a long time? Well, there's no question that I recognize it more and more as I get older. You know, as I get older, I'm able to see and understand people more and I'm able to let go of any of the negativities that I've had towards others because as I get older I see myself also I'm not perfect right. I make mistakes and I don't and I'm not ill-willed or, or you know bad intentioned but of course I make mistakes I don't always understand people I might say the wrong thing sometimes I might do the wrong thing um, but I'm you know I'm trying the best I'm doing the best I can with the tools that I have and I think we all are pretty much you know right. most of us at least 100% and, and I really felt that that's really what what happened to me all those years ago people just they didn't know better they didn't know better and I think today we are living in a, in a society where people are learning more and people are getting a little are, have more of an understanding of people's emotional needs and and people's uh, behavioral and personality makeup and build up and how to navigate individual people instead of only educating through a very designated and specific structure so going back to that time period what do you think was the biggest mis like like how did you feel misunderstood the most and what would you tell yourself back then to really get through it in an easier way like what was the biggest thing about you that you just felt like they just don't get it and there's nothing wrong with me but they're treating me this way you know yeah i guess i i i loved to have fun like i just love to have a good <laughs> what's time what's wrong with that right what's wrong with that but I was in a, a school environment where we really, we had so many restrictions like on what we were allowed to do. Yeah. And, you know, there were so many restrictions on, restrictions on what we were allowed to do. So we weren't allowed to go to pizza shops even. We weren't allowed to go bowling. We weren't allowed to go to, you know, hang out in the city. That There were just so many things we couldn't do um, that I was left with like, okay, the only things I'm allowed to do now is, you know, stay home and bake cookies or <clears throat> go to the mall. You know, I don't necessarily always want to go to and maybe even the mall we weren't allowed to at certain points in certain places you know I just I felt a little stifled I felt like what can I do you know I couldn't go you know ice skating any of these places um they were off limits so for me I felt a little boxed in into like what am I supposed to do that can where I can have a good time and enjoy myself bike riding was frowned upon you know in the communities I grew up with for women to ride bikes so it took me a while to be able to, and, and again, I'm not blaming them for, they, they were trying their best to help 
uh, from girls live in a certain environment where they didn't want them exposed to a lot of things that they would be exposed to outside. You know, whether whether it was right or wrong, it you know, it was harder for some people than for others, I believe. And uh, and I was one of those people. You what know? would you share to a girl who's going through something similar right now? Whether she's in the school system or she's just in society. You know, like okay. I, I know a lot of girls from my community that they're scared to go to a certain place because they might be seen. And then that might ruin their shidduch, you know, yeah. um, resume or whatever because they just want to go get food with their friends. All girls at 12 o'clock at night on a Saturday night, you know, in a burger spot or a pizza store. Oh my God, they might see me. Oh my God, this, oh my God, that. Like right. where I come from in Brooklyn, it's all about reputation. Yeah. So like, why is it like that? You know, how do you undo that? You know, I think it's a little bit difficult to undo it when you're still in the system. What I think... But that puts, that, that put, that puts people's emunah, their faith, that, that puts it in the, in the system. Their emunah right. has to be in Hashem. Oh, Hashem, Hashem sure. knows what I'm doing. He sees me. Yeah. And I understand the other viewpoint too. Okay, like, I wouldn't want to, I don't know, be with someone who's doing these things. But like, at, at, at the same token, it's not true. She's just going right. out, like, be more understanding, you know? Sure. Look, I, I understand that. But I also know that, you know, sometimes, and this is what I try to teach my own kids. I've always tried to instill upon in them that um, there are certain rules that we follow because they're school rules. They're not halacha. Right. We don't necessarily follow them in our home. This is not necessarily something you have to pursue for the rest of your life. But when you're in school, if this is the rule, we have to follow the rule. Because unfortunately, not everybody is as understanding. Not everybody is always done the kaskas the way we would hope they would be. Right. So it's a system and, and we follow it because we're in that system right now. But as soon as you leave that school, you know, make sure we learn clear. This is why I'm very careful to teach my, my own children and my students and you know, whoever I come across, you know, that whoever is willing to listen, um, that we have to have so much clarity between what's halacha, what's minhag, what's chumrah, and what's shtriot in the first place. You know, some of it doesn't even come into the category at all, but it's just like a thing we do, you know? Um, and we have to have clarity because then we understand once you become a responsible adult, you could say to yourself, oh, okay, this was, you know, our school rule. It doesn't mean it's halacha, right? Now I know what the halacha is. And this is why I'm so, this is obviously for, for men, for boys, but I'm, I'm such a, a, a huge advocate for women and girls learning Torah and not just um, relying on or depending on some, Amen. you know, hearsay or something that I once heard it. Well, learn it. Go to, I, I encourage women all the time to go speak to your Rav and ask him to show you. If you have a question for him, say, could you show that to me in halacha? I want to see where it is. Be an independent thinker. Be an independent thinker. Yeah. And you have to, if you, you have to own your Torah. You have to know that this is my Torah because otherwise you become a victim of halacha instead of owning your Torah. And could owning you go in that Torah. a little deeper? I like that. Yeah. Becoming a victim of halacha means I just do things because I'm told to do them. I just do the, the things that I'm supposed, you know, that, that I, you know, my society is doing or my school is doing or my family is doing but I have no idea why I'm doing it so there aren't there really isn't any intention in in the mitzvahs that I do there's no intention in the things that I'm doing because it's just kind of rote it's kind of habitual it's kind of um you know maybe I'm doing it from an external place because if I if I don't do it what are they going to say about me right so and that leads to a lot of resentment it can lead to a lot of resentment but it could also lead, if it doesn't lead to resentment, it can just lead to a lot of emptiness. Or a girl like, not um, liking herself. Yeah. Because she feels like she's not fitting in the box. And the box is in her head. It's not real. 
right? Wait, what do you mean? Say that again. Like, I'm saying, like, the girl can lead... She can feel like, oh, my God, I'm not fitting into this, what they're saying, but it's not even real because she doesn't educate herself. Right, right, exactly. She has these standards for herself that are created by something external. Yeah. Exactly. So that's really... this is So this is something that I believe in so strongly, and this is something I learned for myself and what I try to help others recognize is the most important thing is that we have to create an identity for ourselves. Create an identity. And the truth is it's a very What's innate... What's the first step? So I would say the first step is, because it's, it's, I was saying that it's, in, it's an innate need that we have to create. Like, do you feel like you have an identity? Of course. Of course you do, 100%. right? And the, the identity that you're creating for yourself... But it's not complete. Well, it's not complete. You're still growing. Exactly. Right, exactly. I don't have a, like, I'm not but, this yet. I'm but you still... have a vision, you have a goal yes, for who you yes, want to be. Yeah. Right? And you're creating that identity as yeah. you live. How do you create that identity? By Taking action. The, by the things you do, by the things you say, by your beliefs, by the way you present yourself. All of those are the way you are creating your identity. Me as well, right? The way I present myself to the world is the identity I'm creating. And that's totally okay and that's healthy. We need to create identity. But I think there's a difference in between, like we, like I can have, let's say, let's say a person, I don't know, like someone can have an identity for himself that's created by what people think of him. Right. Let's say someone's a little more odd than the other people, then he'll identify himself with, oh, people treat me this way, but they treat him that way. So I'm a little bit different. But I don't like that kind of identity. I like the identity that comes from within. Mm-hmm. I know who I am, what I stand for, yep. and nobody can change that. Mm-hmm. So that's even exactly, subconsciously. Yeah. That actually, I love that you said that because that was exactly where I was going with this. Is that the question is, if we know where we're spending our lives creating identities, the question is what kind of identity are we creating? There are two options. There's an internal identity and there's an external identity. How we how right? we're perceived by people and how we perceive ourselves? Well, it's more, it's not so much that. It could be that because it could be that we have a certain identity within, but we're only allowing people to see a different identity. Sometimes we have a, a block where I know the essence of who I am, I know who I am inside, but for some reason I'm not allowing other people to see that part of me. So that could be two separate identities, but I think the way I would um, define internal versus external identity is, an external identity is an identity that comes from or uh, correlates with any part of you that's external. So it could be your body, your physical appearance, um, a, your career, right? It could be it could be anything that you do. It could be the way you look. That's limiting. Anything that involves the five senses, that's an external identity. Which is limiting, I think. Which, it, which is limiting because the body is finite. Yes, and the soul is infinite. If you create an internal identity, that has to do with the soul. It has to do with who you are on the inside, the essence of who you are. The soul is infinite. Yeah. So it goes way further, but it's not. It goes even deeper than that. You know why? Because it's not only about the body is finite. So there's only a certain number of years that you could identify as a body, right? Um, you know, for example, I know women who are in their 70s now, who they spent their whole life having an identity of being a physically beautiful person. You know, physically beautiful women, and now that's not what they're getting attention for anymore, because they've aged, and you know they're still beautiful but it's not their identity anymore and now they don't know who they are. They're going through this crisis of who am I? So people you know, spend so much time and effort and money and surgeries and everything trying to look young because that was their identity. And meanwhile, they have such a beautiful internal identity that they haven't tapped into, you know? So, you know, I, I wow, used- A woman could spend her whole life doing that. And her she'll, whole she'll, life she'll never pay attention to who she really is. 
I know. Right. I look at someone like my father, okay? My father, unfortunately, was very sick for many years. He passed away from multiple sclerosis. Are you familiar with that? Okay, so it's... Sorry it's, to hear. No, thank you. But I, I'm happy you don't know about it. It's a, it's a terrible disease, and it was... Um, it, it's chronic progressive. So he kept getting worse and worse. It was like his body was shutting down very, very slowly. No, it's... Um, it's a... just flew out of my brain for a minute. Can you, you'll edit this part out? No, just, just keep going. It's oh, okay. I just don't, I feel bad that I, I just I totally flew out of my brain. It's fine. But it's, no, it's not. It's, it's something that's, um, it affects the nervous system. Okay. So when the, when the nervous system is attacked, um, it can't control uh, the rest of the parts of the body. So slowly, slowly, the whole body starts shutting down when the nervous system is attacked. Okay. So that's what it was. Right. So he stopped being able to speak. He stopped being able to his, you know, the uses usage of his fingers. He stopped being able to walk. He was paralyzed the last bunch of years of his life. So I look at him as an example of, of this. He personifies this identity of internal versus external identity because he was a person who, the last you know many years of his life, he wasn't functioning in any physical capacity. He stopped. He had to stop working. He couldn't provide for the family he couldn't produce for the family he couldn't accomplish anything physically yeah. nothing was working anymore but he was such a happy person he never stopped smiling wow. never even in all his pain and discomfort and i think the reason for that is is because he never defined himself by what he did he defined himself by who he was right so when you define yourself by who you are on the inside on your character on your on your midos on your um you know the 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 good points in yourself. The good points, your talents, your strengths, all the things that you have inside, um, when that becomes your identity, then even when, even if, God forbid, uh, you know, anything that's on the outside of you, the, anything that's external to you doesn't work anymore, or you have to stop doing whatever it was that you were doing, you still have an identity. You still are exactly who you are. It's not dependent on something external. So when you live with an external identity, everything in your life becomes external to you because that's your identity and that's how you view life. It's from an external place. So that means your, the things you say, they're gonna be external. They're not gonna be real, authentic, genuine things, right? The things you do, your actions, your, your happiness, it's gonna be external. It's not gonna be an internal happiness. And like you said before, people depend on that. Yeah, Some people 100%. can identify with their yeah. sins, but the sins come from the body, right? That's exactly it. That was the, the next, that's the next thing it's I was gonna you. say. It's not you, it's Your relationships, you. exactly. Your relationships will be external, your mitzvot are going to be external, right? They're all going to be external because you're you're identifying as an external person. That means you'll care more about you know how deep you shuckle when you pray as opposed to the actual words. That means you're going to care about being you know maybe firmer and firmer instead of being better and better. Right? It's going to be an external persona of your Judaism instead of an internal persona. Right? That's what happens in an external identity. An internal identity, everything in your life is coming from an internal place. Everything in your life is the things you say, the things you do. It's genuine, it's authentic, it's real, it's from within. Your happiness, your relationships, your mitzvot, they're all genuine and within. A person who identifies as a body, that's a person who lives with guilt for all the, the you know, the sins. the sins that they do. He or she, yeah. But sins, you know, a, a mistake that you make, a mistake is not who you are. It's what you do. Of course not. Right? So it's external to you. But if you start identifying as that sin then you live with guilt, you live with this heaviness, you live with, 
uh, lack of self-confidence. You yeah. live, you, you know, you don't feel like you have your, your dignity anymore because it's like this cycle, this, uh, you know, downward spiral of, uh, you know, I'm such a bad person because I did this wrong and I did that wrong. Meanwhile, that's not who you are at all. It's all external to you. I like to always say that Hashem is recreating the world every single moment. But a moment is just a moment. You can do the worst sin in one, like let's say, God forbid, you sleep with a Goya, I don't know, that one really bad moment. Yeah. But the next moment, it's over. And the totally. Yetzirah will always try to depress you and bring you back to the past. But it's, it's not true. But it's not true. It's not no. true at all. In fact, you know, I always, I'm not a person who loves sleeping. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm up a lot. I go to sleep late. I wake up early. And I never used to like sleep at all. I used to be, say like, why do we need sleep? It's such a waste of time. I have so much FOMO. To recharge. You know, I'm just like, I want to know what's going on everywhere. There's someone up in the world and I'm sleeping. Like I have to be part of it, you know. And then I realized one day why we need sleep. We need sleep. It's more than just recharging. It's because there has to be a distinction between yesterday and today. There has to be a difference between Ooh, today and tomorrow. I like that. Right? Because imagine if life was just one long day, we would never have a chance to be refreshed and to start again. And to say, okay, what I did yesterday was yesterday. Today is today, tomorrow is tomorrow. Right? I don't have to be the person today that I was yesterday. I want to tell you a quote that changed my life. Depression is obsession over the past. Anxiety is obsession over the future, and optimal growth is obsession over the present moment. 100%. Uh, ever since I heard that, I uh, I became obsessive over right now. Yeah. Like yeah. I used to be so like, oh my god, I have to do this, I have to do that. But like, sitting down, enjoy the view, enjoy life, learn Torah, be in the Torah, put your phone away. Like everything I'm doing, just be present, and that's how you really excel the present moment, especially in such a social media fast-paced world. We're everywhere. Yes. We're yesterday. We're next weekend. We're hello. Excel right now. 100%. You're in the gym. Go out. Go at it. You're learning. Go at it. You're praying. Pray. You know. Yeah. Be here. 100%. Whatever you do, just thing. be in it. Be yeah. with it. Absolutely. So let's go into the famous topic of the day. Okay. Women's modesty 101. Okay. Break it down. Break it down. Break it down. From the beginning. Okay. Well, you know, the truth is, it really flows so well from what we've been discussing because it it's really true. is about it developing internal, an internal identity. Self love. Yeah. That's what it is. But an internal identity. Now, you mentioned the word self-love just now, which is a, a very um, trendy expression right now, right? The world is all about self-love. And, and, and I want to make a differentiation between what the world is considering self-love and what I think self-love actually is. Torah? Okay. Well, it's, I'll, I'll tell you a little more specific, okay. okay? Because the world that's teaching us about self-love right now it's not actually about self-love at all. It's actually about self-obsession. And It's putting off such a focus on me, putting so much focus on, well, first of all, it is a lot of focus on the external, right? Go to the um, gym, nice body. Yeah, and it's also, yeah, and it's also so much focus on your, your, my your needs. Your possessions, money. Yeah, right. And, and my needs, my feelings, they come before anyone or anything else. I don't like that. My happiness. It's the opposite of the Torah. It's the opposite of what we're supposed to. And it's the opposite of what creates true self-love and true happiness. Right? We're to, for, for some reason, the world hasn't picked up on this yet. That pursuing happiness and chasing after happiness and doing what, what makes you think you're happy Preach. in order to achieve happiness doesn't lead a person to happiness at all. Stepping out of yourself. And, and recognizing another person's needs and being there for someone else, that's what leads to true happiness. So the self-love that we're being taught in the world today has nothing to do with an external identity and an external, uh, and an, I'm sorry, has nothing to do with an internal identity, it has nothing to do with internal true self-love. It's self-obsession, self-obsession is external, it's body. 
I'm going to tell you my definition of self-love. You ready for this? I think you're going to like it. Yeah. My definition of self-love is when you see yourself the way Hashem sees you. How's that possible? How does Hashem see you? I don't know. Okay, so we say it every day. Yeah, but how does Hashem see you right now? Every single day, Hashem says, I am returning your pure, beautiful soul to you. Meaning, no matter what you chance. did yesterday, I believe in you to do it, it right? doesn't matter. Today you have your, your, your beautiful, pure Tahora. We're saying the words Tahora. It's a pure soul. No matter what you did yesterday. Hashem doesn't look at you through the filters that you see yourself with. Right? We look at ourselves sometimes through these filters that the world puts up in front of us. Filters of, of insecurity, filters of jealousy, filters of inadequacy, not being enough, right? Filters of comparison, always busy comparing being ourselves enough for to other who? people. Wh- whomever it is that we're comparing ourselves to, right? Sometimes we look at other people and we wish we were more like them or, you know, why can't I look like them or have what they have or go where they go or be married to the person they're married it's to. It's the or, Hollywood dream. Right and and right and, and we Never just comes true. we look at all these people and you know we just compare ourselves to them or we're going to be as talented as they are whatever it is right so we we look at ourselves with these filters that don't allow us to connect with the true essence of who we are with our souls everything this is all external Hashem doesn't look at us with those filters there's no comparison to anyone else right. there's no none of those things are there it's pure love it's pure goodness it's pure beauty he doesn't see us there's nothing ugly about us in Hashem's eyes it's all beauty so if we could see ourselves the way Hashem sees us that's self-love you also can't have two thoughts at once so the more you're thinking about other people you can't even think about yourself absolutely that's 100% correct if we're so focused on other people what they're doing what they're thinking what they're saying where they're going then we're not we're not able to to focus on our own growth so back to the modesty right What's going on nowadays with modesty in women? What do you think? What's your take? What's the big struggle? So I think that in general, there is a very big struggle with self-esteem. And I think that we don't give ourselves enough credit. We give ourselves way too much criticism. What about validation? So that we don't give ourselves validation? Yeah, we women. I, I mean, I'm not a girl, but I, I think women seek it in how they dress, right? If men are looking at me, that means that I'm good, so I have to dress more provocative. Well, yes and no. Um, I think, you know, I don't think that women always dress for men. I think very often women dress for other women. What about subconsciously? You know, um, you know and tr- trying to well, maybe there's a, a certain subconscious place to that, but you know, I don't even I don't even like talking about sneers in terms of um, in terms of clothing because it's so much more than that clothes remember we're talking about creating an identity the way we present ourselves to the world has everything to do with the way we feel about ourselves inside right it's all about creating that internal identity so that's just a, a symptom of of who we want to be and how we want to present to the world but the idea of, of tzniyas or tzniyot I'm not sure which have to use over here okay. same thing right um, it comes, it's really, it's, a, it's so much more than just an external idea. 
so much more than just an external definition. But it's connected it's because inter- if, it's a midah. If you internally identify as a Jewish woman, then you're yeah. going to present it externally. Yeah, 100%. That's why it has to start So it is more than clothing, you're right. From within. It starts from within. It starts and, and from then within. And then it projects. And then it projects outward. Yeah. But if we think of tzniyas as just being uh, wearing skirts or, you know, covering the collarbone. That's or external the identity. Of, that makes it all external. Like you said before, exactly. it's external identity. And it, it defeats the entire purpose of it. And it, it becomes something that isn't authentic and isn't genuine. It has to come from a place of with, uh, that's within. Right? It has to come, it's a behavior, it's a, it's a thought process. So you're saying it's, instead of going to idea. a girl that dresses in modesty and telling her, oh, you're doing such a big sin, whatever, you're gonna burn, all these very turn off like, things, maybe just ask her, who are you? It's all about... And see what she says. Yeah, and... and you think ask, girls even know who they are? <laughs> that it's, it's, that's the, it's the time to start. Right? Start it's asking yourself. It's the time yourself. to start asking myself, who am I? If a girl dresses How? in modesty, then who, who does she think she is? Right. Well, okay, first of all, let's have in mind that, you know, sometimes it can just be um, education. Sometimes people really aren't educated enough in understanding actual halacha. You know, it's not always that a woman is trying to uh, present as an external person. Right? Sometimes people, there is a lack of education. There is ignorance. There is um, a lot of external pressures also, a lot of peer pressure. There's certain styles. Your community is dressing in a certain way. You might feel that it's wrong maybe, but if everyone's doing it, it's hard to be the one not to do it. But a lot of these, you What's know, the answer to that? That also comes from developing a stronger internal identity. Right? I once knew someone who didn't want to have a mixed wedding and didn't want to dress new just because of their community. And I told them, just be a leader. Why do you want to... Yeah. Like the same people who are so critical and they're judging you and they're constantly looking to find the bad points in you. Now you want to do something to appease them, right. which is also going against Hashem. Right. It doesn't make sense. But in, in your head, it makes so much sense. I don't get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you know, not, not, not every, it's not easy for everybody. Sometimes people have a hard time. What's not easy? What's the point that's hard to... What's, what's, the, flip, what's the switch that's hard to flip? To me, it's simple. But I don't understand why, what's so hard standing out and being different sometimes it's hard for people but that's self-love 101 that's why that's why we're having this conversation <laughs> right? you see what i'm saying 100 percent. this is the cycle you know it's it's a cycle and it can be a vicious cycle downward or it can be a virtuous cycle upward but it has to start we have to be able to create that cycle for ourselves of and it always has to start within it has to start with let me see myself the way hashem sees me every morning Right, that should be the first thought in my mind when before I wake anything. up. Before anything, we say mota ani. What, what are we saying when we're saying mota ani? Thank you for waking me up. Right. Appreciating so life. The first thing we're doing is thanking Hashem for waking us up, thanking Him for giving us another day in His beautiful, magnificent world. Right. And it's easy for us to feel it. We're sitting out here with this beautiful view over here. But wherever we are, we're thanking Hashem for being a part of His world. We're thanking Hashem for another opportunity to enjoy life today. But we're also thanking Him for gifting us again today with all the things he gifted us with yesterday because just because just because you had a house yesterday does that mean you're gonna have a house again today no absolutely not right just because you had your talents yesterday does that mean you're gonna have your talents today no you know anything could happen we, we, we know this but right? so you not only woke up today with for another day but you woke up with all the gifts you had yesterday it's incredible and then at the end of that what are we saying what does that mean your faith in me and how what, what should it be you would think you would think that's the other way around yeah it's the opposite you would right you would think that i'm waking up that i'm saying oh you you know because of all the things that you're giving me i have so much faith in you but we're saying no no no. hashem believes in you 
you're giving me all these things because you believe in me. Yeah. Because you believe that I could accomplish something huge today. Make a difference. And make a huge difference today. 100%. Right? So that's the first thing in our minds. Wow. Thank you, Hashem, for believing in me. Right? It's, we, it's such an out-of-body experience if you think about it. Absolutely. Like your soul comes back to the world, you wake up, and everything looks the same, but it's not. It's a it's, new opportunity. It's a new opportunity. Every single day is new. Every single day is different. It's not a bad day. It's a bad hour. It's not a bad hour. It's yeah. a bad minute. It's a bad second. You know? Yeah. Doesn't have, doesn't have to last longer than that or carry longer than that. At a certain point, we have to be able to let go of things. This goes back to what you asked me originally. You know, how I was able to get into that mindset of not holding resentment toward the people who hurt me when I was younger. You know, what good will that help me now? Nothing at all. Today is not yesterday. You know, I might not be responsible for things what that happen did. to me in life, but I am absolutely responsible for the choices I make in my future. You know, so, I'm not so, responsible for my past. I'm responsible for my future. So, so it's not that it, I, I like to say it's, it's not that it's happening to you. It's happening for you. Mm -hmm, 100%. I'm doing everything for you. Mm -hmm, 100%. So you know, the word lama in Hebrew. Yeah. Lama means why. But it, you could pronounce it a little differently. Lema for what? Lema for what? Instead of saying why is this happening, you say for what is this happening? What's the reason? Right? And that's for us to decide. So for someone that maybe feels a little bit religious resentment growing up and etc. And just wants nothing to do with the religion. I'm talking about a girl specifically. What would you tell them from your heart? Well, you know, obviously the most important thing... There's a lot of variables and situations, but like yeah. overall, if a girl's listening to this, she obviously, she took the first step, right? She wants yeah. to hear more, mm -hmm. a different perspective. Yeah, for sure. Look, you know... Because people could be very mean. Yeah. Like I like to say, it, like the rabbi is not the religion, he's the representative. He could mm -hmm. just be falsely representing mm -hmm. it to you. You have to go yeah. to Hashem, the source. For sure. I always say, don't judge Judaism by the Jews. <laughs> right and of course that doesn't that's not negative there are so many wonderful amazing incredible jews and i love For all sure. of them but the idea is that the torah is perfect people are not always perfect you know so sometimes we could have encountered people who weren't perfect that doesn't mean the torah is not perfect and if we have a problem with the messenger that's okay they're human beings we're not judging them it's between them and hashem but we we have to be able to understand the torah and this is what i mean by owning your torah to be able to say okay maybe you know, the way that, that that was presented to me wasn't the healthiest way. Maybe there's another truth out there somewhere. Maybe there's more of a truth out there somewhere that I wasn't privy to yet, that I wasn't able to learn yet. You know, I need to look for it. We're always, in life, we're always supposed to be seeking the truth. What if someone's hurt? What if they're not ready to hear that? Okay, that's fine. So, you know, the most important thing is always, always, always to really empathize with the person. You know, validate their feelings. There has been a lot of pain. There's a lot of, of trauma, for, you know, that people are going through from all different areas in life and from all different places in life. And there's no question that people are in pain and people are hurting, and that's okay. And the first thing, you know, you ask me, you know, what would we tell a person, right? The first thing is empathy. Really, really understanding that there's pain. I'm not here to preach to anyone, and I'm not here to try to change anyone's mind. I'm not even here to make anybody from, you know, I don't even like using the word religious. I call it the R word. I don't think, I think it causes a lot of separation. It's like, well, I'm religious, you're not. What does religious even mean? R word, right? I like that. It's the R word. I don't, I, you know, I don't even like using that word. It's, it's not even about that, you know? We're Jews. We're all Jews. The Torah belongs to me the same way it belongs to you, the same way it belongs to any other person. Beautiful. And the Torah is always here. We just have a choice whether or not we're gonna tap into it. So, if a person is able to 
you know, if I'm able to just love another person, this is, I, I, I really like to have this understanding of um, Aaron HaKohen, right? Uh, when we talk about Aaron, uh, what does it say about him? Ohev et habriot. He loved the briot. He loved the people. Yeah. Right? He loved every person who makarva matara. That's how he was able to be makar of them to talk. By loving them unconditionally. By loving them. You just love another person. So I'm not here to teach, to, to you know, it's preach to people. Shirebi. Everybody he met, he loved. It's, that, that's really all of it. It's just love. Everyone needs love. When you're able to truly love another person, and able to feel your love, that's when they start trusting you. What if someone feels like no one loves them? Then be that person who loves them. But what if someone says no one cares about me? You know, it makes sense for people to feel that way. If somebody hasn't been loved in life... Or at least in the language they... Or in the language that they were able to accept love. Yeah. Right? Then they can grow up feeling unlovable. And it would be very hard for them to believe that someone could actually love them. So you're right. Of course, there are people who will make it very hard to love them. Because no matter how much you try to prove to them that you love them, they don't feel lovable. So they always think that you have, there's an ulterior motive. Yeah. It can't be me that they love. They have to want something from me. They don't love me. I'm not lovable. It's, it's a subconscious thought. It's secure. Right? I, it's, so I think that it just has to come with consistency. You have to prove to them again and again and again. You're worth my love. That you're worth my love. You are so valuable. And I actually love you. And it's just a matter of for no reason. To them again for no reason. You don't. Not, it's not because of your accomplishments. It's not because of what you do. It's because of who you are. That's I just a, love you. Wow, it's amazing, beautiful. <laughs> I love that. Right, and and this is important for us to do with our children. For our, anyone who's married and has children, listening to this, our children also. Sometimes we we allow our children to think that we only love them if they produce something, if they accomplish something, if they become something that's the exterior thing like that's we said exterior. before it's all external no 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 you're my child and i love you Even if, regardless yeah. of what you do regard i love you unconditionally For no reason no reason at all just because of you you have so much value just because of who you are so for a girl who wants to come closer to hashem and maybe she's struggling with modesty specifically what's the first step modesty self-love it's all connected mm-hmm. it's all connected it's one and the same and I'm gonna I'm gonna change a definition now again, um, of of you use the word modesty. So I actually don't don't like to use the word modesty as a definition of tzniyas. We often use it, um, but honestly, I don't think modesty is a Jewish concept. Modesty means um, I don't want to be seen, or you shouldn't be seen at all, right? It's like it's it's, it's a form of hiding inside yourself. But do you, do, you, do you think girls understand how, how dangerous it is? Hiding? No. Dressing immodestly, like what it does spiritually to them. Like, I, I, know, I know people don't like to hear this kind of thing, but like, you have to say it, you know, there's a, there's a concept of being machtia harabim. Right. Like influencing the public negatively. And right. It could affect your shalom bayit. Like, it's not, it's not right. logical, it's spiritual. If a woman walks on the street and a hundred guys look at her, Yes, right. she, she can tell you they shouldn't look at me to begin with, which is true. Right. But you can't expect them to change. You have to be the, you know. Right, like you're being nichshal, another person. Yeah, and, right? it, and it affects you without you realizing it. Right. Well, there's no question that 
that of course there is some truth in that because and it's, it's, it's not, like it's that not with like anything in a harsh do. negative way. No, I understand. It's, 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 it's a reality. With a guy. A guy it's a reality. Can also do bad things. Yeah, you know? this a is thousand just, percent. Yeah, it's it's a reality. And, and like it, women have to be more aware of, right. of that they have really beautiful bodies. Right. And it's about sh- um, saving it for someone to see mm-hmm. that they really, they really care about. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Or with Instagram and likes, like, how can you ever appreciate a, your, a compliment from your husband who's one man when you have right. thousands of likes online? It's a competition. Yeah. That, that's also another example of uh, the, re- the requirement of external validation as opposed to seeking internal validation. Seeking validation from the people that you're closest with. Seeking validation from yourself, seeking validation from healthier places. But this need for external validation is this concept of self obsession. It's not self love, right? And all of that leads to problems in, in so many of our relationships. It leads to problems in relationship with ourselves, problems with our relationships with other people, with our spouses, with whomever else, and a problem with our relationship between us and Hashem. Number one. Right? So it leads to you know uh, you know a struggle in all of these relationships. So what you're saying is 100% right, and and there is we definitely have to be conscientious of the fact that my action here you know this is just what I'm responding to what you're saying about being nichshal right. In every era, this is not only about tzniyas. In every area, I need to know that my actions will always affect another person. Everything that I do, everything that I say... That's a good point. ...will always affect another person. Just some actions are more, um, you could say, dramatic than others. Yeah, more could powerful. be different. Yeah, some have different levels, some affect more people, there's no question. Yeah. But I always need to say, you know, to, we're, 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 when we live for a bigger purpose, when, when I'm living just for me, then I don't care about what I do and how it will affect another person. This is, again, the me society. Small. If it's just about me, if it's about my needs and my wants and my feelings and my small little world, it's a very self-centered world and a self-obsessed world. And it's an external world and it's, it's an unhappy world. But it's if never I'm, enough. If I, it's never enough, right? But if I'm living for a bigger purpose, for a greater purpose, if I'm living for more meaning in life, if I'm living to see what I can give to the world instead of seeing what the world can give to me, and everything I do, everything I say, every choice I make, I will have to know that this affects another person. Am I affecting another person in the positive or am I affecting another person in the negative? Am I impacting this world? Am I helping people around me become their best selves? Or am I allowing people around me to pursue their lowest calling, right? I could help them pursue their lowest calling, I could help them pursue their highest calling. But it all depends on what am I living for? What's my perception of life? Um, and that all goes back to my perception of myself. You think that's more of a broad statement, or is that speaking to every individual girl, from her all her backgrounds and her families and how she grew up? Because we all come from different backgrounds. Right. I think this applies to everyone. This is really like a, a recipe for for having a life of meaning and happiness, living a life of purpose, living a life of giving instead of living a life of taking. This is the difference between entitlement and empowerment. Do you think that's enough? Like, what if someone's really addicted to just the attention? You know? Right. That's something they need to work on from an internal place. They can't work on it from an external place. That all goes back to... What do you mean by that? It all goes back to how do I see myself? Because if I... Again, what you present to the world, that's the image you're creating. That's the identity you're creating. So if you're telling the world, look at me, I am a body. Look at me, I'm a piece of meat. 
right? That is a person who's identifying as an external version of themselves. But this is why I don't like to call Tzniyas modesty. I think it means discretion. It means I am choosing what I'm gonna share with who I'm gonna share it. I am gonna choose to show myself to the world. I'm not hiding. I'm showing myself to the world, but I'm showing them who I am as an internal being, not as an external being. Beautiful. You hit it on the money, I think. Wow. That, that's really what I believe that the, the key is, right? I want to, sh- there's, there's nothing wrong with, with getting up and, and letting the world see, and, and sharing yourself with the world. But what part of myself am I sharing and who am I sharing with and how am I sharing? What's the intention of my sharing? Because even these influencers, whatever, like, these pretty girls, they have really good points about themselves, but they just identify with something so small compared to the amazing good. You know? Yeah, there's so much good. At like a woman is communicative and a good listener and she's fun yeah. to be around. That's so, that means so much more to a guy than how she looks online. Speaking from, speaking from a guy's perspective, yeah. mm-hmm. we, get, we get turned off right away. Me, my friend, everybody I've ever met. If a girl's a really good girl, but she's, she's uh, representing herself a certain way, where she looks like a certain type of person online, it's an yeah. instant turnoff. Because it shows us that, oh, y- you don't really appreciate yourself the way we appreciate you. Exactly. And that's already like a recipe for disaster, and I didn't even start to get to know you yet. So exactly. I, don't, I don't want to. It's so beautiful to hear that from your perspective. It's true. You know? Because, because like we always talk itself, about it behind closed doors, but right. guys, guys don't like this stuff. We don't like girls that get tons of likes. We don't. Right. We might like to think about, you know, God forbid, something immoral with them for temporarily, right. but, but building a family long term. Right. No, really we look at them and how them. they represent themselves, right. which is like you said, a piece of meat, and that's exactly. so sad because they and have so, so much sad. good points about them. Maybe, maybe they know how to host a big Shabbat dinner and they probably do and then maybe they do so much chesed which they probably do and they probably do Tehillim groups all these things and they probably do mm-hmm. but they don't show that to the world right. they, sh- they, the show, they show something that's they show something that's external they didn't even do anything for it that's just right. how Hashem made them 100% you know? 100% Hashem add some filters yeah. and Photoshop right? <laughs> and Botox but exactly yeah, all, the, all the things together but, uh, but the reason I love that you're saying this is because Sometimes people could be a little misled and think, oh, I want a guy's attention, um, and this is how he'll and love you'll get me. it, but you're not going to get really, it the right way. I, but here's how beautiful the Torah is. The Torah is actually showing us the recipe for how a guy can really love you and really value and respect you. It all comes from Tzniyas, that you're not going to get the value um, and the love that you're seeking from portraying yourself in an external way. You're going to get it from portraying yourself in an internal way. Yes. That's the beauty of Torah. So delving into another topic, you want to talk about Shomer Negiah for a minute? Sure. Because personally, I wasn't always, um, you could say, super religious. I mean, I was my whole life, but I'm saying I, I'm learning now, being 22 years old, that dating in Shinochim is the best way. Mm-hmm. Dating like in the secular way is not good because the relationship starts physical, then it becomes mental. So I have a lot of people always ask me, because I always talk about being Shomer and doing Shiduchim, even if you're not religious, just, just do it, it's better. It's better to get to know someone and then do it later when you're married, just like touching and all that stuff comes later, but give your own perspective on why Shomer Negiah is so important and why keeping the rules is so important. Well, even the smallest thing to holding hands, it's all really important. Okay, well the first thing I'm gonna say is, the reason being Shomer Negiah is important is the same reason why any mitzvah is important. What's the reason we do any mitzvah? Because Hashem instructed it, so obviously it's good. I like to call it HSS, Hashem said so. 
That's it. That is the reason. Surrender. And sometimes, yeah, Hashem said so. And sometimes we look for reasons and we look for, um, you know, deeper ideas behind it and why and how it benefits me. And, and we know that the mitzvot benefit us. We know that by having a trusting relationship with Hashem, by Hashem having a track record that we could trust him and that he has our best interest in mind all the time. So we're going to listen to what he says. Yeah. Right. Sometimes we were given what we call ta'ameha mitzvot, which is a little bit of a flavor of the mitzvot. Like Hashem gives us like a special bonus that sometimes we know, we see clearly why a mitzvah is beneficial to us. Right. But it doesn't mean that this is the reason we do it because there's always going to be the more reasons it's always going to be the ability for someone to get up and refute it and say well yeah for me that doesn't work for me so I don't have to do it right that's not that reason doesn't work with but it's me. not true you just it's didn't, not about you didn't that. find your truth in it yet exactly you didn't, they didn't tap into it enough yet right so that's what we need to understand Shomer Negia is important because Hashem told us to do it and Hashem knows what's best for us and he knows what's healthiest for us so that's why we do it now what is the ta'am of the mitzvah what how is it beneficial to us and again this goes back you know to exactly what we've been talking about over here beautiful right being an internal being portraying myself to another person as an internal once there is physical contact between a couple uh between two people it's very easy to get distracted by the emotional uh, connection of through infatuation that these two people have with each other and they're not going to pay attention enough to what's really going on inside. To someone who doesn't know what's infatuation. Infatuation. We know, but like really hit it, you like know? Like a real definition. Yeah. Infatuation is the, a, the counterfeit of love. It's a fake love. It's an external love. It's a love dependent on the It is dependent matter. on something else. So it's either, and I'm calling it love, but it's not love. It's a love that is, it's a fake love, right? That is dependent on external appearance. Romanticizing. It's, a, it's, a, it's romanticizing, it's lust. It's dependent on a person's um, either physical appearance or their uh, social status or their financial status, you know, how much money they have. Whatever it is, it's dependent on something else. That's not them. That, it's not dependent on them. Again, it's loving the external of the person. It's not about the internal. There's a finite life for infatuation can't last forever. Because the moment that that ceases to exist, your love for them will cease to exist. Either the moment that ceases to exist, your love ceases to exist, or the moment you find someone who has even more of what they have, right? You find you're attracted to somebody because they're beautiful. Oh, now you find someone who's even more beautiful. Out with the old and with the new. And you don't even like them. You like yourself, really. You're you're feeding your own desire. Yeah. um, It usually comes from um, um, self-gratification. Right? It's not about, it's, there are two different types of love. There's an egocentric love and there's an altruistic love. An egocentric love is what can this person do for me? An altruistic love is what can I do for them? So giver versus taker. It's giver, giver and, and, and taker, exactly. So true love is what can I do for the other person? And in a healthy relationship, by giving, you will also be receiving. Right? But the goal is to give, not to receive. So there, again, there's the egotistical love, and this is regarding the way we relate to people in general. You know, am I telling someone to do something or, you know, 
controlling someone or whatever, however, what word we want to use, but I'm telling them to do something because I care about them and I want them to do it right, or am I encouraging them to do something? Uh, well, actually, the opposite. I meant because I, you know, I care about me and it's upsetting me that they're not doing it, or am I encouraging them to do something because I care about them and I want them to do it right? It's not about me. And this is, an, an, you know, in any relationship that you know that people have. It's an egocentric love or it's an altruistic love. What do you think is a healthy way for a couple in, that's going into matchmaking, a couple that met in matchmaking or maybe someone that's going into matchmaking, what's a healthy way to develop that relationship without Shomer Nagiya and really thinking about the other person? Like, let's say I'm on a first date or a tenth date. What's my mindset? Or even if I'm married, what's, what's the constant? Like, for me personally, I don't know if it's right, but I always just look to give... Mm-hmm. I, I go on a date. I'm driving there. I'm like, I'm, I want nothing from this person. Mm-hmm. I just want to make them smile, see if we can click, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Go home. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I don't um, care if they're rich, their family. I'm looking. Who is this person? Right. Can this person? I don't want the trophy wife. I want the wife that right. can help me get the trophy. You right. know. Ah, love that. Yeah, exactly. So I think that there are three most important things to look for when you're dating uh, that are going to lead to the healthiest. Situation. happiest um, most meaningful connection with another person and I think those things are midot tovot right we look for positive leading midos character traits okay character traits of a person um, we look to see if they're humble or if they're arrogant we look to see if they're givers or takers we look to see uh, are they people that are growing growth oriented are they working on their character so you think you should test them you know no, 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 not testing, but through Observe. conversations and observation. Yeah. Conversation and observation, okay? Um, we never, ever test anyone in, in relationships. Good, right? I wanted to... Yeah, no, never, ever testing. We don't test people's love. We don't test people's commitment. We discuss. We have conversations, okay? Um, everything is about healthy communication, always. Um, so that's number one, midot. Learning about the midot of another person. Do we see, are they quick to anger, right? That's something to have in mind. This, might, this is a person who gets angry easily. Let's see if this is something that I want to pursue. Anger is a very difficult midah to work on, right? And it's one of the, the most important, you know, a person who is not quick to anger is one of the most important traits to look for yeah. in someone, right? So we look at, and there's so many midot, by the way. Sometimes we confuse, this is important to mention. We often confuse midot or midos with manners. Midot, tovot, are not good manners. Good manners is someone who says please and thank you and someone who holds open the door for you because they were trained by their mother to do so. Okay, that's not good midot. It's part, like, it is a good midah to smile at people and say hello and say please and thank you. But that's not what midot are. Midot are so much deeper, it's real work. It's internal work. Yeah, but how so, do you how do you find that out on the day? Because good me don't the real me don't only come out behind closed doors when you're married. Well, first of all, that's why you know we don't date once or twice. It's important to really date a few times. You get to know the person, and you know go out and go out and go out until you feel you know them. I am not one who pushes who pushes quick dating. I think that once you're engaged, I think it's better to have a shorter engagement. But until you get engaged. Make sure that you're that you're really, really figuring out who this person is from an internal place. You don't think Get it's very, it's very, um, like, souped up the dating. Like I always look my best. It's like after my long day. It's like it's always like in your best moments the dates. It's not like the real during the rush hour of the day. How, how do you? 
you know it's hard to really see who the person is right well you know it's important to um this is you know in the you in a suit in the world, steakhouse is not you on a monday at two o'clock in the middle of the day it's a different person completely for sure but i'm going to tell you one thing you're showing your best self no matter how much you get to know another person you still never ever really know them until you're married to them until you're exactly. living together in the so same home that's why it's so that's why it's a lot it of all, faith it all has to do with two things it has to do with um being very realistic in your observations, you know, in your observation, in your conversation, allowing yourself to truly be yourself. And and I think the longer, you know, the more you go out with someone, and I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not here to talk about how long there's a normal time to go out. Everything Everyone's really differs different. on the person. Yeah. There are some people I know that dated for three weeks and they've been happily married for years. There are other people who dated for six months or a year and a half and they had not had a good marriage either. So everything is very, very dependent on you know individual dynamics but um regardless of what your dating dynamic is you know i, I know people you know because i deal with this all the time this is what i do i deal with relationships and different people and um a couple was about to get married they were engaged they were doing the, all, all the plans of the wedding and they dated for two years before they got married okay they're not very observant um not very Torah observant but one of them is more traditional than the other and all, this only came out when they were planning the wedding because all of a sudden one of the families said, okay, so we're going to have kosher food because, you know, we're more traditional and we have a lot of people coming that keep kosher and we want to have a kosher wedding. And the other side, the, the girl, that was the boy, and the girl was like, kosher, no way, we're not having a kosher wedding. And this was a huge conflict for them and they came to talk to me and I asked them, you were dating for two years, did you never talk about kosher food? They said, no. I said, what, what did you talk about on all your dates? He said, we never had real deep conversations. We just had fun. That's the problem with not keeping Shomer and all these things. What I'm saying That's is... That's why she's looking as good. My point is that you can date for two years and still not get to know the other person. Because it's, 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 it's not real. It's not real. It's all, about, it's all about what is important to me. What are my values? And let me look for those values in another person. Yeah. So it's just it's communication. It's observation. We can't be naive. We have to be able to do real character assessments of people, and we have to do research too. If we're dating, if we're dating in the shidduch system and we don't know the other person well, we have to call people and don't only call people on their resume. Okay, figure out where they've been, who might know them, and call other people that they didn't put on their resume, and call them and say, I "Just want to know, do you know this guy who lives in this neighborhood? Do you know this girl? What can you tell me about them?" I always ask people questions important. that throw them off a little bit. I say things like, "Do you ever see them with their parents? How do they talk to their parents?" How do they treat their parents? Do you ever see them with other people? Do you ever see them shopping in the supermarket? How yeah, do they a rabbi to the wants people online? to ask her the relationship with her parents, with the people around them, and the thing with herself, those three. Mm-hmm. Very important yeah. relationships. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And, and also, pay attention to the way they speak about people. Cool. That is super important. The person you're dating. The person you're dating. Pay attention. How do they speak about other people? Are they putting other people down? Are they negative about others? Are they disrespectful when they talk about other people? Those are huge indicators of a person who might not be a respectful person to you in the future. I noticed in my dating experience, a lot of girls, they kind of act fake nice. It's like hard for them to, you know, speak about other people in a positive way. But they're doing it because they want to show their best self, which is really there inside of them. But I feel like on a day-to-day basis, it's not like that. So what do you think about that? Like when people try to like show what they really can be, but they're not there yet. I think a lot of it depends on how honest they are 
about who they're trying to become. There you go. Yeah. Right? Um, I know Rabbi Yona speaks about considering yourself at the place that you truly want to be. Right? If it's from coming from a very genuine place, but you're just not there yet. That's okay. That's okay. You know, like people tell me all the time, like, I don't really want, let's go back to the idea of, of, of sneot in clothing. People tell me often, I don't really want to wear, uh, you know, let's say longer skirts that, that cover my knee, but I want to want it. Like, I wish I would want it. I just don't want it yet. And I tell them, you're on, you're on, you're on, the, right you're on the road to success yeah. in this mitzvah. Just yeah. keep wanting to want it. You'll get there. If it comes from a very genuine place, that's okay. You're not there yet. But you want to be there? Oh, that's amazing. Also, right? 100%. Open We're always on a, on, a, on a journey of growth. 100%. So we, we, we take a step at a time. Hashem opens up the rest for us. But if we come from, if it has to be from a genuine, a genuine place. So you have to have these real conversations. Be honest with each other. Say, truthfully, I'm not there yet, but I wish I was. And if we could support each other in this, in our growth, then I'd love it. And that's, that's such a great conversation to have when you're dating with someone. So to attach to what you're saying, I heard, a, I heard a lot of advices, obviously you can see from my page about dating and finding the right one. I heard one advice that really I, I resonated with. I think this is very like logical. Someone once asked him, how do I know if the person I'm dating is the right one? He gave a great advice, which is very simple. It sounds kind of like, you know, I, how come I didn't think of that, you know? He said, ask, see, ask them and find out, can you support who they want to be? Can you mm-hmm. support their ambitions? Who, they, who do they want to be when they're 70, 80 years old? Can you mm-hmm. support that? And can they support mm-hmm. you? And that's it. Right. Because that's so, life. It's all potential. 100%. That actually, leads, now, that actually leads to the third thing I was going to say. We said one already. We said midot, what things to focus on. So, yeah, I love that you brought that up because that's where we're going. Exactly. So there's the midot. Make sure that you're marrying somebody who is working on their midot and always improving their midot and has, and has good midot. Okay. And the second thing is Yerat Shemayim. Very important to, to, to marry somebody with Yerat Shemayim. Now, how, does that, how do I define that? Yerat Shemayim, we often define as fear of heaven. But I'm not really sure we relate to the concept of fear of heaven. Um, I don't know, you know, it's not an actual fear. When we hear the word fear, we think of trembling or we, fear, we feel, we, we think of some sort of paralysis of fear that doesn't let us move forward. I'm not talking about that kind of fear. Awe. The fear is more like a reverence. It's like an awe, which is a mixture of love and fear. And I would define that as like a reverence. And practically speaking, fear of having like your Achimayim. You, your parents, you don't you you fear them, but you don't fear them like you respect them. It's like mm-hmm. that, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's this level of of awe and respect and reference and reverence. And I'll tell I'll explain that in a second. Um, uh, and that, you know, obviously, it's a good example. The reason we were even given parents in the world in the it's, first place to show us a relationship with is Hashem. so that Hashem can show us a practical way of relating to Him. That's why we have parents. We didn't have to be born with parents, right? But we do so that we can understand a relationship with Hashem. So what you're saying is 100 percent true. Um, but the idea is also that um, I can't remember where I was going with that reverence before. Your mind the third thing. Right. So really, what we understand is is that it's... Oh, so this is what I was saying. How I like to define Yerat Shemayim is an awareness of Hashem's presence. Awareness. Yeah, he's always Rather there. Than fear. It's awareness of Hashem's presence. Hashem is always here. So how, you know, how is that person's integrity? How 
has your integrity and you can pick up on this if you're looking out for it and the reason i think it's important that we're mentioning these things is because you might not pick up on them if you're not looking for them but if you say to yourself i'm looking out for good midos i'm looking out for somebody who's aware of hashem's presence and who lives their life with integrity and trying to do the right thing trying to be a better person you know trying to to be good with others even when no one's looking you can pick that up in someone if you're looking out for it it's very important what you just said because sometimes we look for things that you're not even aware of you're not even aware of right like i'll notice like i don't know like i have a friend he'll notice confidence but i won't notice confidence because i have it or so someone will notice this you you notice what you don't have but you have to look for... You have to look for it. These things, because they're important. That's why I said, well, you can date and date and date and date, but if you're not looking for the right things, you're never going to see them. And you have to write that so down. have everything. this awareness, exactly. Go into the, to the dating process looking for these things. And the third thing is... Hashkafa. The third thing is, what, what is our vision for the future? Philosophy. Yeah. What, what's our hashkafa? What, who do we want to be? What's our goal for raising our family? Who do I want to be in 10 years? Is that something he could support or she could support? Who do you want to be in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years? Is that something I could support? Does it align with my vision for the future? Because if not, it won't be a healthy relationship. You're growing, but in different directions. You're growing in different directions. Even if you start off just really, just a couple of centimeters apart, eventually it's going to end up feet apart and worlds apart. Yeah. Right? That's what happens eventually. So... The hashkafa has to be there, the vision, the goal for the future. And it doesn't mean doing the same things. It doesn't mean, you know, we often think that compatibility is the most important. And it's not. Compatibility is something that you can learn to be compatible with the person. Uh, It comes from wanting the same things. It comes from, you know, it doesn't mean you have to have the same shared interests, let's say. This is what people often confuse. We think that to have a good marriage means we have to have shared interests. Like all the same things. I love, you know, the classic, you can picture the classic example of two people, you know, meeting in a crowded, their eyes meet across the room in a crowded room, right? And and, and uh, they, they feel like, oh, I met my soulmate. And, uh, you know, you go over to them to talk, you finally get up the courage, you go speak to them, right? And it turns out that they like the same music. Oh my gosh, we both love country music, right? And we both love Indian food. Whoa, I really met my soulmate, you know? Shared interest. How long does that last? Shared interest. Not long. Not long at all. It's not about having a shared interest because you could be sitting in that Indian restaurant with the person and getting into the biggest fight of your life, right? That has nothing to do with that. Because of what kids ever going to put my school in. Exactly. Uh, what? Yeah. It's not about that. It's about showing interest in the thing that interests the other person, right? Being able... That's real love. That's love. Giving. Love means... Love is... I have a few ways I like to define love, but for our topic right now, uh, one way of understanding love is what's important to you is important to me. Even if I don't like it. Even if, even if it's not... Yeah, even if I don't really understand it. Even if it means nothing to me. Even if it seems weird to me. But it's important to you, so it's, it's important, important, to, important to, me. to me. And this goes back to Ram our relationship Avino, with Hashem. Number one. This goes back to our relationship with Hashem. Yeah. I don't understand why I have to do all the mitzvot he tells me to do, but it's important to him, so it's important to me. That's how we love Hashem. That's how we learn to love Hashem. And that's why we love him through doing mitzvot. You could say, why do, why do we have to create a relationship with Hashem through mitzvot? Why can't we create a relationship with, with Hashem you know, through eating a pizza every day? Hashem could have said, eat a pizza every day and you get close to me. That's what he decided. It's because we have to practice getting into doing for another person, for another being, even if it's not necessarily. So it's about sharing the other person's interest, not necessarily sharing 
the interest, but making it important to you because it's important to them. That's right. the idea behind my clothing brand. I want what you want, Hashem. Mm. Oh, that's nice. That's, right. that's the chesed of Hashem. Mm-hmm. You make what you want, what he wants, and he'll do it right back for you, measure for measure. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's a, a tefillah that we have. The Gemara brings down a tefillah is, we're asking Hashem, I want my will to be your will. Because yeah. right now we live in such a conflict of wills. Right? We live this idea of the Yetzirah versus the Yetzirah Tov, where there's always this conflict of doing what I want versus what he wants. And we live, but the goal is not to go through life with this conflict. The goal is to make the Yetzirah and the Yetzirah Tov friends. The goal is that, that we should make the Yetzirah Tov friends. They're growing friend. together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And grow together. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Right? To make him our friend and to say, no, I, I don't want to have this conflict. I want my will to also be Hashem's will. It's a very nice perspective. Um, yeah, this was a very phenomenal power hour. I think this is going to help a lot of people and help us grow. Any, any last messages? Any, any last words you want to say? Yeah, I just, I just want everyone to realize that they have so much more inside of them than they ever realize. You know, we're, we're such And even if they know, beings. they'll never hit the, the money. They'll, yeah. There's always more to you. Yeah, and, and I want people to realize, we were talking before about, you know, if a person doesn't accept love, and it's true. You know, I was saying that sometimes it's harder to receive love if you haven't accepted, if you, if you haven't been loved in the way you needed to love. And we have the cycle of love actually brought down, uh, you know, in the Torah, if we go back to the first time, uh, you know, that we learn about love. Yeah. And we learned about, you know, giving love to other people. We have, you know, we can look at um, Avraham. He was the first place that were ever mentioned somebody loving another person. Avraham loved Yitzhak. He also built Sarah's right? tent before his own. He would right? always do things for her first. He did. There were a lot of behaviors that indicate his love, but where actually the Pasuk tells us, right, as bin Yechitcha, and it tells us the son that you loved. The first place is Avraham to Yitzhak. The next place we learn about love is Yitzchak to Rivka. The next place we learn about love is Rivka to Yaakov. And the next place we learn about love is Yaakov to Rachel. It's the chain of love. If you love another person, you encourage, you help them be able to love the next person. But wasn't it all defined by what they did for them? In a way? By what they did for them? Yeah, like Abraham did the most for Yitzchak. Well, they could, they, I told you, there are a lot of indications of love. But these are the places where we're actually taught with the words ahava, with the words that they love them. So yeah, a lot of it we can see in the behaviors. It doesn't even have to tell us because we see in the behaviors. But the fact that it's mentioned, so we need to understand, we could break the cycle. Even if you were a person who didn't feel enough love growing up or didn't, weren't loved in the way that you were loved, again, this goes back to what we said before, you can let go of that. You don't have to carry it with you for the rest of your life. You can let go of it and you can say, okay, maybe the people who were supposed to love me in the way that I needed to be loved just didn't know how. Exactly. They weren't mean. They weren't vengeful. They weren't malicious. They weren't ill-intended. They just didn't know how. Let me find someone who knows how to love me. Maybe this person knows how to love me in the way that I need. And I need to learn to accept that. And once I could change that in my head and say I could learn to accept love because I'm lovable, just by the fact that Hashem loves me. David HaMalach grew up with such an insane childhood. He was rejected by his parents. He was abandoned. He, was, he had enemies. Everybody willing to, trying to kill him. His own son trying to kill him. But yet, he wrote the most magnificent uh, songs and, and, and poems showing his, his level of, of acceptance of love. 
you know, and he became the leader of the Jewish people, which takes a tremendous amount of self-confidence. All because his David HaMelech tells us in Tehillim, he said, my parents rejected me, my parents abandoned me, but Hashem adopted me. Yeah. Isn't that the most beautiful thing? Hashem adopted me. He's the one who took me in and gave me the love that I needed. So anyone who hasn't felt the love that they needed, just know how much Hashem loves you, how much Hashem believes in you, and that and and take that love and integrate it and know that you could be loved and you can love yourself and you could accept the love of other people because if Hashem can love you, right? No, Hashem okay. has has space for you in his heart and a place for you in this world, right? Then anyone can love you and anyone has a space for you in his heart. And that's us towards other people also. Right? If I know that Hashem maybe this person is hard for me to love, but I know that Hashem loves them. So if Hashem loves them, I can love them too. It's funny you say that because my rabbi, he actually, my rabbi from Israel and yeshiva, he hates the five love languages. Mm-hmm. He hates them. He right. said because if you identify with, I don't know, let's say uh, words of affirmation, let's say, then you're always yeah. going to look to just, let me just, right. if they're not giving me that, then they don't love me. Right. It's, it's, he hates it. 100%. He, he thinks, no, these, this love language thing is shtuya. It is. Just, I'm not into it either. Just, just look to In love fact, how people are choosing love to love them. you. Yeah. And here's the thing. I, I, I agree. I tend to agree with that. I don't teach it either. I teach what I call languages of connection, which is a, a similar concept, but a different concept. It's this concept of learn to connect with the other person and learn to show love to the other person and learn to accept love from the other person. You know, I, um, I always, you know, I try to teach, I give these courses in Chalabayas and an emotional connection, emotional um, um, intimacy. And I, and, I, and I try to help people see, look around at how your spouse is trying to love you. Pay attention to it. Yeah. Pay attention to it. Because yeah, you might be saying, oh, he doesn't love me, he doesn't love me, or she doesn't love me, she doesn't love me. No, 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 they're trying to love you, but you might not be allowing them to love you in the way that they're trying to love you. And it's very important to understand that. You know, sometimes uh, a man could, you know, could call his wife and say, I want, you know, I want to, I want to bring you something. I want to bring you flowers. What kind of flowers should I bring you? And she'd go, no, don't buy me flowers. I bought my own flowers already. And she shuts him down. But, but I wanted to bring you flowers. I'm trying to love you through these flowers. And, and then she says, my husband doesn't love me. That never gives, gives me anything. You're not letting him, right? So more important than the love languages is opening ourselves up to love, seeing how people around us are trying to love us. Put your ego down. Allowing them to love Exactly. Allowing them to give to us. Let's be receivers so we could accept, accept the love of the people around us. I love that. And not only givers. We, we're afraid to receive sometimes. Receiving is not the same as taking. Taking is egotistical. Receiving is altruistic because if there are no receivers, if there are no receivers, there aren't any givers. You can't give if there's no one to receive. That's me, by the way. I hate receiving. Everybody who tries to give to me, I hate you it. You hate it. I just like I like to give. I don't want nothing from you. <laughs> you know. And that's beautiful. But this this might be something I have a big for you to integrate. Yeah. Because somebody it might be your parents, it might be your future wife, whoever it is, or anyone, any friend, any relationship you have, people want to love you and they want to give to you and you might not be letting them give to you if you're afraid to receive or if you don't want to receive right you have to be able to say okay this person's trying to love me let me receive from them yeah you're and right. you're being a giver by doing that by the way 100 percent. all right beautiful right? beautiful okay thank you so much for having me on your podcast thank it's you really so much for being a part of the podcast you just gave us a power hour and yafa just shines the lights on this podcast and it's going to go to a lot of people so. shed light where there's darkness 
For anybody who wants to connect with her more on Instagram, your handle is Yaffa. Yeah, Yaffa Palti. It's my name. Keep it simple. Y-A-F-F-A. Y-A-F-F-A-P-A-L-T-I. Yeah, so follow her on Instagram. Connect with her. She spreads a lot of light there. And hopefully we're going to continue to make a difference and do more in the future. Amen. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And pleasure. Thanks for having me. Give a Continue doing all the things you're doing. Continue shining your light and making a difference in Kla'a Yisrael. You're doing a great job. I do this with all my guests. Give a blessing to the listeners. I bless you, each one of you, that you should start seeing yourself the way Hashem sees you. Oh, amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you and so continue. Much. All right. Have a great day, guys. Thank you so much.